You guys. Yeah. Hard opens in a different time frame than the rest of the story that continues. It's such a cheap trick that gets me literally every single time when it's like, boom, four days in the future and a bad thing happens and you play up to that. That's like old as fuck. That's a film thing. That's old as shit. But every single time I'm like, that's the best shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Like when is it all going to come back together here? Yeah. When, like when is the slow train wreck going to happen? You can show me the train wreck and then playing back to how and why I just, it's it's a dangerous thing to do in comic books too. Because this, I think this is pretty effective. Gives us that cold open, and then it says one month later, and a month is a big time. (laughs) It's a big time, but it's also maybe not enough time. Like, what curveballs is DC going to throw at us between now and then? So, like, that's a bold move, you guys. You have just made this podcast do that same thing because that'll be our intro. Oh yeah, we'll have an intro, and then we'll go into this thing and lead up to that discussion. Episode 66, I think it's 66. That's the area code. No, it's a different not podcast. An area code. Different podcast, bud. Um, <laughs> but this week we're going to be, this day, on today's day, we're going to be talking about Batman Incorporated Volume 2, Issue Number 1, Grant Morrison, not Frank Quietly, Chris Burnham, everybody together here. God, it's good to see you, boys. I'm Jeff. Django. Roman. I'm the horned god. Oh, Kernogiston. So, I love that. Just, <laughs> hey, boys and everyone listening, moment of earnesty here. Uh, Justin, or sorry, Roman Django, rather. Get ready to be uncomfortable. <laughs> Just in the shower this morning, <clears throat> and I was thinking about, you know, about to be coming in here. Smell it. And I just was filled with this like very deep gratitude for the three of you and just what we've been doing here. And I started this fucking idea at the beginning of the quarantine, planning it to be like, probably just me alone for most of it like 15 minute episodes at a time mostly just a quick summary with maybe an easter egg here or there i'm just like so grateful like roman texted me last night at 12 15 because he was down at the comic shop to pick up this issue so we could make sure and read it for the podcast <laughs> today like from all of us passing around a single paperback copy of resurrection of raz al ghul <laughs> except for the two-thirds of the issues that jangle was able to track Yay, down I got mine. <laughs> yeah like it's just awesome i'm so grateful that you guys are all just like um yeah i'm not really well i'll do a like a 75 episode commitment to reread an entire thing and all <laughs> of the hours that go into it and i'm really grateful that you guys are all so willing to just yes and this pretty dumb thing and i'm just really pumped that in like five or six years when we're like do you remember the pandemic we're gonna have this podcast that we will remember recording the entire time and it will always be there as this thing that we can look at and for the love of god probably not re-listen to ourselves but maybe <laughs> but i'm i'm really proud that we will have a thing that well, we'll have to show for this big time and i'm very grateful for the three of you guys for coming and for everyone who's on a facebook group and talking about it like just i was filled with a deep sense of gratitude for everybody today so thank you gratitude makes me uncomfortable and i won't respond good 
I like the humidity that your gratitude creates in the shower, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can I, taste I, it. Yeah, I was, I was sure that story was going to turn blue, but it, but it didn't. No, no, I'm just – I Sell some blue. Very oh. grateful for you guys. So I use head and shoulders, like um, but it was a lukewarm shower until I started getting gratitude and then it got hot. <laughs> Gratitudinal. Gra- um <laughs> This issue is, I just, I remember it came out, you know, this is the first one in the New 52. There had been like five months since, the pre- since Leviathan Strikes and it had been seven months since issue number eight. Um, so you know, Justin and I, as these huge fanboys of it, were probably like, I, I know I'm excited for this to come back out, but like, I remember this issue coming out and just feeling this deep sense of like course correction, almost like undoing my confusion about like the auto net stuff and the, like the globe trotting. And this was just like, I don't know if you knew exactly what was going on beforehand, but this is a even better than the zero issue. This is a great, like, I think you can just start here mm-hmm. and move forward and and know that you'll miss some stuff, but palate cleanser. Yeah. For me, I think that this came out probably while I wasn't coming into the store, while I was letting mm-hmm. my Batman and crossed issues collect in my file and never contacting you guys. And wearing those horrible shoes all around town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, there's, and there is just some interest. I think what's interesting is, so this is the first part of this run to come out during the new 52 and aside from the small panel cameo of pandora do you guys remember then all the new 52 first issues she was hidden somewhere aside from that founder founder yeah yeah. oh i didn't see her aside from her in there them taking away his dope ass cod piece and yellow symbol (laughs) like this is just like it doesn't new 52 doesn't matter like he's you know they're still referencing batman died time traveling stuff dr hurt all of this stuff is uh the two headstones ties right into the last like eight issues i, I was just I, appreciative of like grant morrison way to just k- kind of give him the finger like just keep doing your thing i remember being really <laughs> worried that this was going to restart or undo so much of his stuff and he he let that shit bounce off of him who is pandora she's that was the end of the world or whatever in the new 52 oh you remember there was like the, the Pandora, there was um, several different DC New 52 events tied into her. Um, but like the one that went between Justice League, Justice League Dark and like Justice League United or something was with mm-hmm. her. And then because of her, they started that Phantom Stranger miniseries and a Pandora miniseries. And she's got, she was from like a different earth or something. Anyway, she's in the... Wow on the single page shot of Bruce and Damien jumping through the city. And there's all the awesome images drawn onto the sides of the buildings on the other page of that, the top right in the arcade next to the little arcade that says bed bug on the right side. She's just standing there. Maybe, okay. maybe that will remind you what she looked like. Yeah. It kind of like, looks like she looked like, the... Oh, go ahead, Justin. Um, Zealot. I think her name is from the wildcats. She's got like a similar red face paint thing and, I almost thought it was like a DC incorporating that character into the into the DCU from the Wildstorm universe. I kind of always thought she looked a bit like Rachel Summers from the oh. X-Men, like the one who's got like the tattoos, I think from the Days of Future Past or something. So anyway, what do you guys think of this issue? Sorry, I uh, oh, I don't know. I'm, st- I'm, still looking for Pan- I'm still looking for Pandora. I don't know anything about this. I was going to real small <laughs> shot. Yeah, that's, that, that was funny you mentioned the cod piece because when I first, when I started reading this last night, 
that double page spread with Damien and I assumed because of the costume, I assumed, oh, that must be that must be Dick Grayson. <laughs> nope, no, it's not. It's that new fifty. I didn't notice it reading it this time, but it's that I should have because that's that new fifty two costume that I I don't like very much. Me neither. Um, I don't like the lines. Yeah, and, and I miss the codpiece and the classic the symbol and the yellow. You can kind of see the very new fifty two ness of when he and Damien are jumping out of the car, like both sides of the bat symbol on his chest have these kind of like hinted at dumb lines that go up to his shoulder yeah and like in the other ones they were just like drawing the piss oh. out of those lines but i remember yeah, yeah. justin exactly it's too liney you I can wonder see if that it. was a thing morrison asked burnham to do like hey uh this is the new costume but maybe just pencil those yeah <laughs> i think there's a few shots where you can see it slightly more prominent um but it is not nearly as bad as it was in justice league or in um, the actual New 52 Batman title. Yeah. I did want to do something that pissed Django off, but check this out. Django, see those, see those two towers? Tarots. And do you see that two tower? See those uh-huh. two towers in the gravestone? The two uh-huh. towers in Arkham Asylum that you hate and that shot that you hate? Uh-huh. He's using visual motifs again, baby. Uh, with the Dark Tower? The Dark Tower is a reference to Chris Burnham's local comic shop. No, sorry. Uh, which is two... probably a reference to the Stephen right. King sorry. story. Yeah, I, was, I was going off of Django's thing. But yeah, just <laughs> okay. the two headstones stuff. And then like referencing the Arkham Asylum thing. That That's what I meant to say, yeah. That shot of the Arkham Asylum, which is very clearly the same thing in the moon card. Like I think that that is, mm-hmm. it might even be directly referencing the moon card. Oh, because that moon card, in fact, has like a tower on both sides and then two things howling up at the moon. Yeah, and the moon and insanity, lunacy, luna. That's why I think that's a direct reference to that card nice. in Arkham Asylum. And those towers show up in lots of cards in the tarot um, to the point where like people think that the tarot is like just a representation of a landscape and those are just there. Huh. Um, and I think that like Bruce standing between the two, we have very like maternal female villain stuff and insanity themes going on here. I, I almost feel like it's a, a very slight node to that. Um, visual motif of the two towers and there's two gravestones that they talk about in the prophecy right yeah 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 he like and when he goes to the far future when he looks back on the past he sees this fuzzy memory and yeah he saw like these two gravestones so you're saying if we interpret this first panel in this issue correctly Mm-hmm. Django, there's the... there's no correct or not correct, <laughs> but when you've got someone who is able to write metaphor and allow someone to just you know, like that's the best part. I love, you know, there's no correct or not correct, but there is, I wonder if this means that, and that's the best ding dang part. And I just know Django hates visual metaphors with specifically two towers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's me to a T. You know, what's interesting is that J.R.R. Tolkien even felt like he, there weren't a specific two towers with which that book was named after. There's like three different sets of two towers within that series, but I wonder, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's something beyond strictly his middle earth stuff there, like I wonder if he was thinking about tarot or something, you know, just uh, the number of times the two towers has come up in the last three minutes. uh, Famously it's from the two towers is really prominent in King Solomon's temple. mm -hmm. um, And that's what they represent in the tarot, like order and chaos, that kind of theme. And I think that it could be plausible that he's referencing that because J.R. Tolkien was like, extremely well read on religion and myth like he he was synthesizing a huge amount of myth into that entire world so Mm -hmm. you know he's like 
kind of one of our great mythology no, mythologist. I don't know what that word mythologist. is. Mythologist. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. almost as good as Roman. I didn't, oh. well, segueing that into Roman, I didn't really know the amount. I rewatched and then kind of read about those origins and stuff during the beginning of the pandemic. And then I was like talking to Roman about Lord of the Rings. And he was like, yeah, it's all very cool. A lot of things, yeah, were definitely taken from Lord of the Rings, except for all the stuff that he took from other mythology. And then he just started like going through these <laughs> parts of Lord of the Rings that are clearly taken off of like Scottish myth or like, you know, Celtic. And I was like, you are so cool. <laughs> like, yeah. That was me? Are you sure that yeah, was me? A hundred percent. hundred percent. I don't remember this. He wanted to write like a, a truly English mythology that wasn't so French and keep it. There's like some very deep Christian stuff in those things and keep it like he wanted to remove the grail mythos because he thought that was too French and it didn't represent like the European continents mythology. So he was like trying to de French and write a new, like this is our pan European mythos. Um, and so he was taking all that like Gaelic and original myth, like pre-colonial mythology and working it in there. And that's why that is so vibrant and lush. And when you watch it, you're like, this is real in a way that some things aren't as real. Like this story is more real than other stories. Justin, do you feel like you could describe it as a mythological omni-cheddar? Yeah. Okay. A pancetta, uh, if you a will. A pancetta, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I loved on this double page spread, you know, the second pages of this series. Yeah, that Dark Tower reference, because it's the White Castle logo and it has Dark Tower written on it, which some somebody, apparently after the fact in an interview, Burnham said that like Dark Tower is, Dark Tower Comics is his like growing up comic shop. I thought that was awesome, except for it's the name of a game shop in town as well. So um, <laughs> hopefully it's a reference to that. <laughs> hopefully it's not a reference to our competing <laughs> company uh, we have to talk about the variant cover of this issue before we get any deeper in this you guys Ooh, which the variant cover is the frank quietly cover and it's blue and it's oh. got batman and robin on it and i i bring it up because my i like i think i mentioned but roman saved that cover for me before i worked at the store and I think even sold it to me at a discount because it was like a priced up variant. And that's the thing I like took to Morrison con with me and I had Burnham sign it, uh, Morrison so sign it and quietly sign it. Yeah, you've got an image of it there, just, or Django. And it's just like my favorite. I, I would have to go through my boxes to pull that out. Um, that cowl. Only Frank Quitely could draw the Batman cowl that looks like that. Right? He can, he's the only person who can put wrinkles into like armored cloth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. Okay, and and here's a here's a hot take. Um, if I was just basing my preferences on that picture versus this issue, I like Burnham's stuff more. Uh, like generally, I think Frank Quitely is is a little bit more mature artist, but I think that this issue's Burnham art is holy shit good. It's holy shit good. It yeah, it is. But this Quitely variant. My God! Look at the look at the shadow of Damien's hair His on Batman's chest. That is awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, but Django, your point is well made. Like th this issue, um, I, I I just there's like, you know, I, before this I would be like, yeah, Burnham's clearly like a student of Quietly, and you know I think that's that's there, but like he's not even several tiers below quietly in this. Like he's, no. he's doing absolutely incredible comic work that, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's amazing outside of the fact that his heads are 150% the size that they should be. And the, the colors are spectacular too. Yeah. Yeah. I, this first fight is so, so pun intended visceral. Oh, <laughs> okay. 
okay, this first fight. I didn't have time to run over into my stacks and stacks of issues and find it, but I feel like this issue echoes Batman and Robin number one. Definitely down to the scene where, like, I don't remember which issue number it was, but, like, you know, the scene when Dick is saying, like, take that hood off, you shouldn't wear a hood to Damien, and then, like, mm-hmm. Bruce does that to him here. But even just, like, down to the starting conversation in the car, I think. And, and the, the first chase and battle scene, right? Like, Professor Pig is running from Batman and Robin in the, in the beginning of that issue. The frog guy is. But yeah, the frog guy frog is. Guy. And aren't they, like, aren't they running through a slaughterhouse? Or, it's like... No, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't. I couldn't it, grab. It's the a issue. car chase, but it's a conversation between the two of them in a Batmobile that is clearly what this Batmobile is based on. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, Dick is doing a little bit of scolding to Damien, and he's like very sullen yeah. and stuff. And then there's like the yeah the the car chase stuff as it's mostly a car chase. There's not a slaughterhouse okay. in that one, but well, yeah. Well, then I'm I'm just ma- mashing my comics together. There's so much blood in this issue. It's almost as bloody as Django's wall. Oh, Herbal. Satan! Uh, there's a lot of Satan in this issue. Yeah, a lot of it's Satan. So, it's so incredibly detailed too. I mean, you see the the bone and muscle musculature. There's a great shot when from behind Damian and Batman when they're running and like the foremost thing in the shot is Batman's boot print in the blood. I didn't notice that or on the ground. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and then there's like in the next scene, Damien's chasing a guy after sliding under a guy's legs and cutting <sighs> them with batarangs and <laughs> the like him falling down to splink in the reflection of the blood is so cool. Um, I feel like, well, quietly a little more perfect. Yeah. Like, Burnham is a little more cartoonish and a little more psychotic. And yep. I, that is something that really speaks to me. Like he does a little more zany shit. Um, and he's a little grimier as well. Obviously I don't think quietly would have this much fun with blood. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, yeah. a well said. And the sound effects there on that same sequence, there's a Batman's ducking underneath a guy wielding a bone saw and just the sound effect for the bone saw. It's even colored differently as as the the arc of the saw moves through the air <laughs> it's and then hits the chainmail yeah it's the yeah. chainmail and then and you see the back the... of the sound effect from yeah. behind it <laughs> yeah it's it's a clang like it embodies what he what is happening there is so well done i and the like, blood like the splonks in the blood like he's doing what quietly was doing in batman and robin number one embedding mm-hmm. all those sound like the will eisner-esque thing but he's doing right. it as just a a way less of a journeyman you know like he's he's a way younger artist than quietly at this point well in that top panel like it's it's kind of like it's a wide angle shot oh. so all the horizontal stuff has an arc to it mm-hmm. and fisheye lens it's it's a it's amazing like i've been thinking a lot about lately about like city scenes and how artists will sometimes anchor a string to the vanishing point and then they'll pull that string tight and use that as a guide for the the tops of their buildings to give them proper perspective to the to the vanishing point on the on the cityscape and you can't do that on a wide angle shot no. like all all bets are off nothing nothing is straight how about in that exact shot though as your eye follows the progression of this thing, you see these cattle workers from left to right. They're just like people in white suits until, oh, wait, no, they're all putting goat masks on. Oh, fuck. Oh, right. fuck. This is not a meat packing plant. Every one of these people works for Leviathan. 
It's so cool and menacing and like, it's like Batman and Robin, almost like a title fight or like a video game scene where it's like, here's our two dudes. And then all of these enemies appear. Like yeah. it's zany and crazy and so cool. All of the pox, sorry, Roman, please. Oh, I think you were just going to say it about the pox. Cause at yeah. first you think that's more gunfire and I mean it, well, it's not gunfire, but it's the same type of thing. <laughs> It's the the weapon that Sugar has and No Country for Old Men. Oh. Oh yeah, I forgot the about that. The high yeah. pressure yeah, air the ha- thing that they Yeah, the air hammer. And it's I didn't realize that that's brutal and sad and It's so up. sad. Yeah, like the the cow stuff in this super the bums me out. And yeah. It's a uh, Grant Morrison's take on Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Uh yeah. I <laughs> the line where <sighs> The line where Batman says, go for their heads, and Robin's immediate response is to slide underneath them and cut their tendons. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think there's that even in itself is an interesting, like, comment on Damien's relationship with his dad versus where he's at with Dick right now. Right. And that's, like, something that's embodied later. You know, he's lecturing him. He's like, Dick would never do this to me. Like, yeah. he's kind of being persnickety and defiant to try to get his dad his attention and test him you know he even says like i you didn't even have to come back or i wish you never came back um he's really good at parenting dynamics it's it's crazy and yeah like you're exactly right that line right there is you know that's a thing that wouldn't like when he was sullen and snotty with dick it didn't have that same like when you're a kid you just like say things to try and hurt your parents because they're like way bigger than you, right? And like, right. it's not a thing. I don't. I don't think Damien would have really said to Dick. He said some harsh things, but just this idea of like, I still wish you were dead, is such a parent, like a kid to a parent thing, right? And you're trying to establish your identity as something separate than your parents, so you're constantly poking and prodding and dogging them and making, you know, make, trying to make them feel like shit and stuff to, you know, establish your independence from them. And so he's just like trying to be like, you know, you're not the boss of me. I'm my own person, you know, dad, you can't always be watching over me. And you tell me to go right. I'm going to go left, you know, and he's clearly doing that. I'm like, you, you are such a spoiled brat, Damien. Yeah. Then also a few pages later, when the, when, when the guy gets shot, his first thing is to defend himself. Like he still respects Bruce enough to say, Whoa, I didn't kill this guy. Like it Mm -hmm. wasn't me. I didn't do it. Right. Which, which is, I guess you could make an argument that that's a family circus reference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is an interesting, I, yeah, actually I, that didn't resonate with me until you just mentioned it, Jenga, but I, it's such an interesting character point that in trying, like Damien is, wants to save face in front of his father. Cause obviously it's his father, but that conversation is rooted around this child trying to not murder people and then being worried that his dad thinks that a murdered person was like that's a that's a unique you know like rich child parent dynamic that doesn't usually exist yeah <laughs> and i think i think that uh, a couple pages after that even he's he's like i'm a vegetarian now right and that just that that feels like maybe Grant has a stepkid that he was dealing with or a foster <laughs> child he was dealing with that week or something. Well, but I also think Grant Morrison is like a vegetarian who's like really involved with PETA. Yeah, yeah but just that like 
the kid making right. that statement as part of part of this rebellion, but also watched having a movie. Just, yeah. But having in, instead of having watched that movie about meatpacking plants, he just ran through and slid through the guts of a meatpacking plant. Yeah. He has no problem killing humans, but as soon as he's confronted with like the death of these cows, he's like, I'm a vegetarian, which is very thirteen year old kid to do. Yeah. For sure. I think it also proves that Damien still has a soul though. You know, like he yeah. still respects some form of life, even though he, you know, he doesn't have a problem cutting the tendons of someone's knees to make them trip in blood. Yeah. I guess the broad strokes of this issue it's batman and robin chasing down these people in a meatpacking plant because they're working for leviathan but it's also simultaneously there's a narration told by a hired gunman because there's been this huge bounty taken out on robin and he's a hired assassin and we kind of are taught to sympathize with this assassin and by the end of it we see that he may or may not have shot and killed damien to make good on this uh bounty Sorry, so that's that's the, the big strokes there. But you just mentioned the vegetarian thing, and so I just have to draw attention to that shot of Bat Cow. And Damien's <laughs> saying there, as of now, I'm a vegetarian, and this is Bat Cow. And I, like the shot of, on the previous page, when, sorry, when Batman saves Damien, the bullet goes through Batman's cape and then ricochets off the ground and hits wow. this cow's torso. And that's the cow. Yeah. Um, it's bleeding into a bat signal below it. Yeah. And, and you can see the, And then his, his mask is a bat signal, like his facial hair. Yeah. So I just, this issue came out. Um, I got what was the month that this issue came out? What do y'all I think? think? It, I think it was either August or September. I think I so too. Kind of hot when I read it. Yeah. Well, September. Yeah, <laughs> September is when the first of the new Fifty Two stuff started coming out. Yeah. Okay. So, so this was not long before going to Morrison Con, and I think it was like Chris Burnham's first public outing since this book had been coming out. And I caught him in a room, and I got him. I asked him to draw this bat cow sketch for me, oh, oh that is notes. so awesome what a great issue to have come out right before morrison con yeah and i love uh, that the cow's nose is a bat nose too on that <laughs> yeah it's oh yeah you're right it is yeah i just like i remember you know and it was like the first day of the con and i sat i was like hey do you are you willing to like do a sketch and he's like yeah for sure i got a minute and then a line built up behind me, but he's like, what do you want? And I was like, could you do bat cow? Cause I was just thought that'd be really funny. And then a bunch of people on the line behind me were like, I also want bat cow. <laughs> and, uh, he ended up doing a bunch of cow sketches and I can't imagine how an artist prefers or doesn't prefer having to do headshots of cows versus <laughs> actual people. But well, at least it's not bat horse, right? I heard yeah. those are hard to draw, <laughs> but that's one of my favorite possessions. So that is so cool. Just another Burnham, God, Burnham's good. When that, when they're in Batman's one-on-one fighting the guy in between the hanging cow carcasses and the guy goes to slide his like bone chopping knife, it catches his, his cape and like the oh. tips of the cape are coming through the, <laughs> the blade swiping motion and they're like separated from his cape below it. It's such a cool, like to visualize scenes like that in your head as someone who used to like try to draw and really struggled with like perspective and, and scene like formulating scenes to be able to have that amount of like visual perception is all 
A, it makes me kind of jealous and envious, but B, it's just like astonishing and just so cool that human brains can visualize things like that. And I'm sure some of it comes as you're drawing, but to conceptualize a scene from that perspective, my brain can't do that. Mine, mine can't wow. either. I, and I wonder if the fact that they intentionally did like a four or five month, like they intentionally started New 52 stuff before this one mm-hmm. uh, to like kind of, since this wasn't a full reset, have it start like as a second wave. I wonder if that gave them enough extra time that like this art, this issue and the next one have maybe a little extra time for him to futz around. I'm not sure if your paperbacks have it, but this omnibus has the full issue thumbnail sketches by Burnham. Oh, I've never seen those. That's so his his whole process for like, and they're incredibly sketchy, uh, just scribbles, but they're roughs that he then turns into final. So, yeah i you know that the brain thing but even yeah i got yeah justin i'm not sure if you or i can't remember when it was but roman mentioned that on a recent jh or actually it was perfectly acceptable podcast a different thing but jh williams the third who did a portion of this run early on roman said that he doesn't start out with anything he just starts a page and starts going mm-hmm. like those jh williams the third crazy watercolor Whoa. things he does all of it himself, but he just sort of sits down and starts doing it. And I was like, Roman, that is insanity. That is crazy, especially that it's so precise and yeah. like perfect to just like kind of improv to jazz music. That is is insane. Yeah, that's yeah, unbelievable. You know, uh, a few issues ago, maybe it was the first issue of Batman Incorporated, the first volume. Uh we saw kind of a repeating pattern of threes, mm-hmm. right? So it was like three people had, or three, three Marines had been murdered and three of this and three of that. Yeah. This issue has a bunch of twos. <laughs> so it opens with those two towers, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Batman and Alfred. And then we go to Batman and Robin, right? And then um, the, the other person, the, the sniper kills his best friend. So there's a duo there. And then the later on, the mobster eats his brother. That's another duo. There's only two bat uh, man bats. There's Leviathan and the big um, Russian dude. And then there's uh, two guys get taken in to talk to Leviathan and, and one of them gets killed. And the other one is, um, is spared. And just how about he takes like, two pills? There's two mannequins in the window. Bruce like, and Talia are the duality of Damien's parent, and this whole thing is kind father. of yeah, yeah, the mother father, and especially speaking to that like tarot, like Justin mentioned at the beginning, or with Bruce standing there with these two headstones. Like, yeah, it. Uh, A lot of those choices could have been one or three. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, uh, and even and even the the one guy's um, <clears throat> the hitman's narration you know, contrasting him and his son, what he's trying to do being contrasted with Batman and with Bruce and Damien. Yeah. They're like parallel of parenting as well. Um, Did you guys catch with how dripping this is? I'm sure you did Django with like satanic shit. (laughs) Like it is just like, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Well, just that I, uh, I, you know, Justin, you mentioned several times, but I think that he so elegantly by putting this upside down star in everything to connect like Gotham, Goathead, 
with the star, with the Al Ghul, like Perseus constellation, like to tie that, like Talia signing things with this goat head upside down star in Gotham, right. like Gotham is, is a really elegant, like he just sort of like, well, I'm just gonna make this the logo of these trucks. And in doing so- In this meat processing yeah, packet. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And then the, the main guy's helmet in the factory has got the little thing like that is in the Baphomet head. I yep. think it's a torch flame. Um, you know, and I, back in my astrology days when I was really into like Arabic astrology, Al Ghul, I remember that it is, you know, it's associated with the most like malefic signing in the sky. Like you don't want that star in your chart. And it's because it's brightness fluctuates so much based off where it is in the sky. And so the fact that it's really bright some days and really not is like an inconsistency. Mm -hmm. And back in the day that was like, proof or it worried astrologers because that's like a kink in god's chain you know I was gonna this say, is astrology like, is should by all rights be perfect right these right yeah things that repeat for millions of years right and that's like they thought that's god's creation is this perfect expression of these cycles throughout time and the planets are these entities that live within that and prove god's like majesty and there's this one thing this one star that they can't figure out because it's inconsistent and goes in brightness and that shows like that's a break in god's plans yeah and thinking about like agile is like kind of this like thing that comes and just like fucks with it's like as much chaos as it is just like evilness i was like that's a cool idea that like this this malefic star is what this is based upon and it's kind of doing that it's like undoing all of batman's machinations all the time and so I was like, Grant, you know what you're doing. He's And just even, you know, that you talking about that reminded me of my uh, like lifespan and parenting psychology classes. And consistently what they will say is that the most important thing that a parent can do, the most important thing you can do is to be consistent. Like when a child oh, acts a certain sure. way, respond consistently so they can create an order. But like when a parent is inconsistent, but just that idea of how damaging inconsistency is, Mm -hmm. is a really interesting, you know, like it, it's been true of our observations of the planets forever, but even in so too, in the way that people on earth look at the stars, similar, a child looks at their parents. Right. And so the importance of, in, of consistency and what we do when something is inconsistent and the things that we do to justify it is you know, there's a lot of human right. brains and, and development and, and all of that. So it's really interesting. And to just draw a random parallel between the inconsistency of Damien being mothered by Talia and now Bruce and Dick. And they have this conversation. They're like, Dick never did this to me. He never treated me this way. Because clearly Bruce is going to be a little more perfectionistic and like, you're going to be a little harder on your son because you're trying to get an outcome than Damien you know, he wants his son to embody him and Dick's just like, no, I'm just trying to help this kid. You know, it's not my job to be his dad, but I can right. be a big brother. Right. And so there is kind of this like theme of consistency and the damage of inconsistency. Cause here Damien is pounding in the car that he's not treated kind of with the respect that Dick gave him. And that's the physical cool. body language of Damien in that scene in the, the, the red panels in the car, like he's got his knees up to his chest and he's hugging them like that. It's such a, I remember sitting like that in cars yeah. with my parents. And then the next panel is him sullenly pulling his hood up around his head. Cause he doesn't want his father to see the half, like the side of his face, like really good body language, Burnham. Yeah. I was like, 
this Damien reminds me of me as a kid. Like I was just a little brat. Going, yeah, I'll kill anybody I want. <laughs> yeah, damn, damn it, Mom. Um, yeah, it's. I think Grant and Burnham both understand like how a bratty little kid operates. You know, it's it's also pretty cute. I was like, oh, Damien, you're not a total sociopath. You're pretty endearing sometimes. <laughs> and I love that Bruce's parenting, like exactly halfway through the book he tells damien to take off that ridiculous hood before it gets him in trouble and if he'd been wearing his bulletproof hood he wouldn't have been shot in the head at the end so we've got to talk about that that's the big the big climax of this this issue but before we get there let's talk um about the the outside the bat cave west underneath the fetish home in san francisco and all of the outsiders <laughs> references that I'm sure I felt Roman growing a gooey duck. <laughs> can I, can I, before we get right to that, can I ask yeah. about, um, does anybody remember when Kevin, oh, geez, I blanked on his name. Um, Smith. No, Batman on Batman. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Smith. Smith. Mm-hmm. When he did his Batman series and he had a character, I think, named Baphomet. Was that, was that after Morrison did all this goat stuff in this story? Oh, my God, you're right. Um, that would have been... Before this, because oh. I was getting Kevin Smith's Batman stuff while the really exciting bounces between Batman and Robin and um, Return of Bruce Wayne were happening. Oh, okay. I was, I was just wondering who introduced the goat idea to Gotham. <laughs> Justin, do you remember that? I mean, like, it's been Gotham, called Gotham forever, but like, yeah. go- at some point in a comic book, I remember somebody directly saying, like, Gotham, Goat Ham, like, the born under the you know the devil's watch because of that or something yeah i mean they they say that a little bit in this but it's yeah. it's a really cool idea that has stained my mind where i just kind of picture gotham is this cursed place right and that's why it just bad shit happens and it will always be that way um and the return of bruce wayne issues kind of reinforce that like issue two right. the fraser irving yeah. one um you know they'd say like when bruce saved that woman she cursed the town oh uh, right 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 i miss that so yeah it's actually literally cursed yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah i i really like the addition of the goat ham stuff i i never would have thought that but you know to make it kind of just like this sinister evil city no matter what is a, a really cool thing i wonder if that was referenced in that uh kieran dwyer thing with the mike mignola covers that ties into the uh, a few issues ago the lady in the basement and uh Thomas Jefferson. Oh, oh, that dark yeah, city, dark whatever. night, dark city. Yeah, yeah that storyline. Yeah, because because that had that had some satanic stuff in it. Right. I didn't read I didn't reread that one lately, but I could see them just having... when you were painting the walls red and your mm-hmm. yeah. your, your satanic inspiration for what you've Probably done in your kitchen. Read it while after I bought it from a gas station in Chicago <laughs> or something. Hey Django, did. Oh, sorry, Roman. Go ahead. Okay, no, go. Go ahead. Yeah, Django. Did you? Did Batman get you into Satan, or did Satan get you into <laughs> Batman? It's kind of all wrapped up into one. I mean, yeah. uh, do you put a chicken inside of an egg, or do you put an egg inside of a chicken? You know? <laughs> oh my God, that's pretty satanic. <laughs> I like to try both. <laughs> Roman, what were you going to say? Oh, n- nothing important. I was just I haven't looked up Gotham to see if it really means home of goats, because you know that was just a another nickname for new york city just like metropolis is kind of a nickname for new york. oh interesting that's how i looked at it and then i think that you know gotham and metropolis are just gotham's the bad the bad new york and metropolis is the 
the the clean ultimate ideal New York. The it's not a, a cut of meat from a goat. <laughs> the goat ham. Um, so we haven't talked too much about this assassin that's hired, like one of the many, many assassins in here, but he's a taxi driver. And because of that, he had, he knows like where Batman's routines take him at what times in different places. I thought that was interesting, but the cool shot as we get the really dense page of his narration on the top left, there's a map of Gotham and it shows where he is and where Batman and Robin are. And I, I read love that, locale signatures like yeah. that. I read that the map of Gotham right here is based on Elliot R. Brown's map from the No Man's Land Secret Files and Origins one-shot. It also appears on Gotham's Wikipedia page and has become something of the go-to artist reference map of the city. Hmm. And based on the map key, the abattoir is close to the docks and Goat Boy is probably atop the R.H. Kane building. Um, Whoa. It also looks like a slice of goat meat. (laughs) (laughs) But I just love that. I like that there's kind of a decided different you know like a gotham map and uh, you know that it's coming from the no man's land era seems to make sense to me i didn't quite identify exactly how far away he was when he shot robin or shot shot his old best friend yeah right? I, like he's yeah, all he's the way across the island yeah. yeah when i first saw that map i was like what and, and later on they kind of do a toss-off explanation like oh it's a rocket gun or something whatever, gun. whatever that is but at first when i saw the map i was like He's like 70 or 35 blocks away or something. How did he make that shot? <laughs> right. Where did he get his training? Because, you know, he says like his backstory, <laughs> but like, are there other sharpshooters in the DCU that can shoot better than that? Because that's pretty impressive. Or are there other taxi drivers who can shoot better than <laughs> yeah. that? Because that's his it's real superpower. He drives a taxi. In, right. Tie into Mark Miller's Wanted. This guy can give Deadshot a run for his money. For sure. <laughs> hey, Jenga, did you catch the subtle Dark Knight Returns reference in here? The uh, the subtle one where Grant Morrison covered covered uh, Frank Miller's mutant writing style for two full <laughs> overt pages of mutants. Yeah. Like, no. I'm always I'm always torn when I see mutants in a Batman comic because on the one hand, I love that that character design and I like the language, uh, but also i feel like they belong in the future i don't i don't yeah. need to see them now i don't need like a I, I would accept a secret origin like like proto mutants would be awesome but these guys seem like fully formed mutant gang yeah i, I agree yeah because the mutants like these mutants yeah it's cute they're here but why are they here because th- that gang only exists because of events right prior to the story of dark knight returns yeah they kind of show up in that annual too, like when Dick and Damien are fighting in that. I think it might even be Crime Alley when they go to yeah. sit down. The there's a couple pretty mutant-looking guys, and mm-hmm. I've thought about like proto mutants, and that's what I wrapped it up. But these guys, like, they look like mutants. They don't look like the beginning of a mutation. They look like exactly how they look in the Dark Knight. And I think that like Dark Knight Returns is. <clears throat> functions best in my mind as a possible future like it's a possible it's not my definitive one so i don't necessarily really need the you know my understanding of the current world to cohesively tie into that possible future like yeah i can mutants can be a future thing that's fair yeah it gets pretty hard to like put batman beyond the damien future and dark knight like all in one future so i like to think (laughs) of it it's bifurcations of yeah what batman do but on the hump dat beef page, there's an amazing fight scene underneath. 
There is. Where are they hunting that, beef? Just a really oh, good shot of Damien jumping around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that beef. is. I stared at that shot and tried to figure out where he started. I did the exact the momen- same thing. Where the momentum brought him. I did the exact same thing. So what did you decide? Is he moving clockwise or counterclockwise? To me, he's moving counterclockwise. That was where I ended as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so for a second, I got tripped up. I'm like, oh, he's doing it clockwise. But the one that gave it away is his backwards jump towards the guy's face, where you don't even see the guy's face. You just see his broken glass in his feet. That, to oh, me, was like, yeah, that's yeah. got to be 12 o'clock, and he's going backwards. <laughs> so <laughs> rad, dude. So rad. <laughs> Made me um, feel high. Oh, I can't relate. Um, <laughs> so the the thing is we get this batman the, the outsiders west crew and these are all people that to the best of our knowledge have been killed so far in the series like several of them are the people that in the countdown episode um leviathan strikes did die so what we've learned here is that there's a crew of pretending to be dead batman people and i think that that is pretty pretty important but i got a text last night from andrew carlson who was getting ready to read this issue and I'll tell you all, well, he had just finished reading the issue, rather. And he says, what the fuck, Jeffrey? I knew Damien was going to die, but not this soon. <laughs> um, so what do y'all think about that? Do you think Damien's dead? I, do you think that the hood thing was all planned? I think he's fine. I mean, I, I thought we were going to talk about outsiders. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Yeah, we can talk about the outsiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's then say what the outsider thing. Or sorry, I took okay, yeah, out, yeah. out of the outsider thing to the other thing. Roman, please take the floor. Oh, I don't know. You just started to bring up the... I just, the, just that I know you love the outsiders. Yeah, Roman, Django. Sorry, fucking A. My, that's just my, my heart child, my, my star <laughs> sign, my twin flame, Justin. <laughs> Do you guys like that these guys survived? Like... To me, I, I love all those characters, especially the Hood and Batwing. I think they're cool fucking characters. Um, and I like that they survived, and I think that there's always in comics a way out. But, like, the Hood got shot in the head point blank. You know, does he have so a super So did the hood? question. Yeah. Well, so, he survived. But, but to Justin's point, you're right, and I didn't think about it until you just said that. But all we saw was the gun saying blam. So yeah. what if that person was actually like an agent, like, you know, like a, a double agent, like, like who killed him? Was it Spiral? He was a double, double agent. The hood was, I wonder. I mean, like, also yeah, we don't see his face. Nobody, nobody sees the hood's face here, including us. That's true. So it might not be him. Oh, but he speaks yeah. like him. I love how charming. Well, I don't, I don't think is. we ever saw his face before when he's shown up. Sure. No. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows who he is. I, you know, I think the whole, like, the question of death in comics and then people not dying is a, is a little kind of a bummer. I liked it here because it makes sense that Batman is like, Leviathan is everywhere. I can't even trust my own organization. And I think the only way that we're going to stand a chance is for Leviathan to think that they've removed pieces from the board. No, I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah. So, yeah, I like that. But, yeah, I don't know. Um the death, the, the the double crossing of the death thing is a thing in comics. It is also for sure. Uh, I just like there was a pretty convincing killing them, yeah. and so I was like, man, they have to be really fucking good to not die in those situations. But you're right. The shot we don't ever see like uh, with the hood as an example. We don't see gun go to head. We just see 
you know, gun pointed towards head and then blam. So maybe yeah. they just fired off to let them believe that he got killed or whatever we need to believe. But it was a very good way of being like, these people are dead. Right. And an issue later, they're not. Or two and I, had, I, there's at this point, there's so much of this run that I forget. I have a feeling of who I think we, this replacement wingman is. I think I remember <laughs> who that is. Um, you know, but like, I, I love the amount, like he, you know, the the end of this issue raised questions within me that I, I it's been long enough that I don't have the certainty of the answer. But Roman, to get you lubricated to talk about the outsiders in the Batcave West, um, for everyone else, the original Batcave West was the short-lived headquarters of the Outsiders when they replaced when they relocated to Hollywood during their 1980s <laughs> Batman-less Baxter series. It first appeared in May 1987's The Outsiders number 19, which the internet tells me featured a cutaway schematic. Rest assured, as soon as I find a copy, we can all bask in its glory together. It was created by Mike W. Barr and the incomparable Jim Aparo, but was sadly destroyed by super terrorist Cobra not long after its debut. And I saw what all of these different things in the background are references to, and I just got excited about that. But Roman, I've never read an Outsiders comic, so this one's you. Wow. I've read them all, but I don't remember much. I'm curious to hear what some of, like, I don't know, I can't identify any of the names of uh, the costumes and the tubes behind them. I'm sure they're outsiders villains, but the, I love the fact that the coin, the giant coin here, it's a, it's Ra's al Ghul, except it's the like Batman animated version of Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. That makes sense. It, I couldn't figure out who it was. In Stag we trust. Are we oh, sure that's oh, okay. Stag? In that case, it's Simon Stag. Yeah. I yeah. Heard, yeah. Which I mean, it looks why. like the animated series Joker to me. I thought it was either oh. animated series Ra's al Ghul or Joker <laughs> until I read that it was not. But I don't. Who's yeah. Simon Stegg? Yeah, I don't know who that is. That's um, he's the father of Metamorpho's girlfriend, and he's kind of the reason Rex Mason became Metamorpho because he took a job for Stag and to retrieve this thing. Rex Mason was an archaeologist. Oh, so and he's it, a real stinky piece of sharp cheddar, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah he um, runs Stag Industries. Extra which is the company that was doing the drilling in the Antarctic in the new uh, major crossover, uh, Endless Winter. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I have an important question to ask Justin, if it's, if it's cool with everyone. What do you think is the extra sharp equivalent of Omni Cheddar? I mean, Omni Cheddar, we know, is right. the, it's like the pan cheddar. It's the all cheddar. It's the right. all what is sharp omni cheddar it's got to be meta cheddar oh <laughs> man <laughs> extra that is sharp meta. omni cheddar is meta cheddar that is yeah. really fucking good um, yeah. good i'm glad that i lobbed that your way i hope they're using that meta cheddar in the uh <laughs> fuck i forgot what it's called what's the thing with the melted cheese you dip meat into fondue. Fondue plot. Fondue. and you know what i had those same fondue sticks when this comic came out <laughs> Yeah, really? you do. Like that is that is like a Target brand fondue stick that uh, Chris <laughs> Burnham used for reference. I, I just love this Batcave West because it's such a contrast to the regular Batcave. Because his first full shot of it, it's just such a seventies like hangout pad. It is it's even beneath the, the porn shop. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's got that that fake brick with stone, whatever uh facade yeah. for all the walls and the stairs like in the brady bunch kind of with, yeah you know, you're right the floating stairs and they've, yeah. and they've got and they've got a big table with a spread of like 
treats and chips and fondue and like a lowered couch. I was going to say shot. a sunken <laughs> couch yeah. in front of a big porny fireplace. <laughs> the blonde lady and why is she wearing fondue stick colors? That's well. That's one of the things I think is funny. I think only Burnham does this. That's Halo. But usually she has an actual like leotard costume. He only draws her in this like 60s mini skirt thing okay. with her colors on it. Well, guys, my big dumb omnibus here has almost an entire page worth of Burnham's sketches for that outfit. Really? Um, nice. Cool. If I, I love the fact he it. did that. I mean, the, the, the design is cool. I'd like to hear why he draws Black Lightning as this big hulking brute. And I love the fact Black Lightning's original mask is like on the wall behind him with the fake afro mm-hmm. that's attached is it possible is that... that's not black lightning and it's a bigger i think that it's a different person's name but that is, is black it? lightning's helmet I, I forget i read someone mentioning that um, is he from helmet. the 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 new heroes of japan or whatever that group was i feel like i've read an outsider's comic with this guy in it because i read a newer one that was coming out freight oh. train yeah freight train is apparently his name based on this page which is all character designs for that girl's dress except for one shot of freight train i just <laughs> all, i like all the, halo oh, all, looker. all halo where's the other girl well the other girl's looker yep yeah. sorry it does it says halo looker and freight train um that's funny freight train is the name of uh one of the characters dads on the cleveland show oh cleveland so do you dad. think freight train <laughs> i wonder if he is i wonder if this is him <laughs> i i maybe i don't know so He's got to be an outsider. So Black Lightning must have been dead or something at this time. <laughs> yeah, because it did say like his final helmet is that one. So not that I recognized uh, that helmet, but I'm not surprised you did. Man I of like, continuity. I like the fact that whenever outsiders show up in this, um, Morrison never gives any lines to Looker, just because she's such a outdated character. I mean, I don't. Even, I think her power has something to do with, and she's a pretty sexist character because I think she's one of those characters that her power is she's super attractive and has some influence maybe through pheromones or something but 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 in real life she's like mousy and plain (laughs) so that's her abilities (laughs) oh god i'm just a porno librarian me and i I could be i could be wrong but i think that's what her deal is i'm glad that morrison was just like yeah yeah she's here but Let's not use her for in any way. <laughs> kind of like Superman where she uh, takes her glasses off and gets rid of that spit curl and her hair starts flowing. <laughs> the music starts playing. <laughs> That's the song that always plays in this uh, Batcave West. <laughs> yeah, it starts when you open the door. Mm-hmm. Plug Pretty groovtacular. I still haven't found Pandora. She's in the um, bar. I really like the tax, taxi driver hitman's uh, goat shirt, though. That's awesome. Yeah. We can get you one, bud. Cool. All right. We'll get you that goat shirt. <coughs> That's oh, Seattle West. Oh, the, I just found the satanic stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just found Pandora. Nice. Yeah, it's kind of unceremonious, but I do remember when the new 52 was coming out, how fun it was trying to track down that character. It didn't pay off being a good no. story at all, but what a cool idea. When she first showed up, I thought she was a new version of the Crimson Avenger because she kind of has, she looks like him. She has guns too. Yeah, and so did he. He had a couple guns. He was like, I think the first DC's, the company that became DC, I think he was their first masked, well, pulp hero, basically. Yeah. He's like Todd McFarlane's uh, Felix the Cat that he drew into every (laughs) issue for a while. Man, this, this 
page of them jumping through the city is amazing. It's a thing of beauty, yeah. Yeah. And just the like the there's the one the the middle building that is just their shadows, like these icons of bat yeah. and then a yellow robin. So good. So cool. What I'm really excited for is uh you know just or Django you're reading those issues i think justin's reading the issues later on in this batman inc series i've mentioned it but i think the last like five issues or so there's like every issue has like two or three pages of fill-in art by a really generic artist that the absolute edition and the omnibus both have chris burnham art redoing those I don't have those issues anymore. So I'm excited for the two of you to have those and compare uh, those issues with the, the actual Burnham art that came a year or so after that kind of terrible fill in art. Sorry, whoever you are. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't start until like issue like 10 or something. But anyway, I'm, I'm interested in it. You issue guys. I uh, just have to say the final shot where the guy goes and shoots Batman in the face and the bullet repels off of his armor plate. A, the armor plate under that looks so good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And B, I've always said, like, when I mention Chris Burnham, I usually say he's really teethy. Like, he, he draws his teeth very bat. Yeah, yeah, a toothy bat. This is that shot when I was like, look at those fucking teeth. You can tell that Batman hasn't flossed in a while. He's got some gl- gum inflammation there. <laughs> um, and his canines almost look like bat horns yeah Um, (laughs) yeah, it's it's another shot like with the broken glass on his eyes right i think happened i think that chris burnham enjoys drawing both like eyes and teeth yeah he takes his time yeah 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 well you see on the bottom of that same page the close-up of the uh the hitman's eyes you see the little death's head and his pupils yeah i love that what i want to know is and it's a super minor thing i know this is such an awesome issue what i want to know though is so the hitman taxi driver shows his his phone like video footage apparently of his hit to uh to leviathan who filmed that he did how also, he, had his, though, he had his guns in his hands and he's in the shot but look at look at in that shot batman's eye lenses haven't exploded yet right so i think i think it's all a frame up <laughs> so that leviathan will think that damien is dead and so i think that like the hood down thing was intentional oh. and much like the bat bat people in the west who are all people who are supposed to be dead yeah, that's that's my thought. Okay. Wait, his hood is up at this point when he shoots to, him to cover his face, but in the shot where oh, his, right. it it is in fact down like the page beforehand. Interesting. Yeah, Batman put his hood up because he doesn't, he doesn't want like Damon's brains all over his gloves. So I, I, that that was how I interpreted this time, but not I hadn't ever before because I also just had totally forgotten or I glossed over originally that like this crew of people, the Batman West crew, were all people who had been thought dead. Because by the time this came out, my memory of that first volume of Batman Inc was pretty spotty. So, I, so really, I had totally forgotten about this scene entirely. Yeah, I really like that uh, uh, Batwing calls them the Dead Heroes Club. It's a nice yeah. callback to the the other clubs. Yeah. Justin, do you remember for sure who that is? 
who who is the, the, the new wingman character is oh yeah i remember this run pretty distinctly okay. i remember exactly what happens i remember the teeth and i remember wingman who he, who okay. he ends up being and it's yeah, pretty cool I, I only remember the shot of when he takes the mask off and it's just like a floppy mask <laughs> yeah. of that person's head but i don't even remember who's underneath it so in in the scene where the mobster eats his own brother oh <gasps> Uh, yeah. Right after the Bat Cow page. The Grim Brothers. Um, Leviathan says, the West Side belongs to Leviathan. And he says, help me, somebody help me. And he's got skulls in his eyes. And then the um, man bats take him away and kill him. Uh, at the end of this issue, after the guy says that he shot Robin in the brains, uh, he's got skulls in his eyes too. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, is that saying that he's about to get killed by leviathan or is that just something that burnham's doing whenever somebody's whenever he gets the chance to show a close-up of somebody's eyes and there's death involved it's a good question i love it i asked similar questions in my mind when i read this issue is like is there significant significance to this beyond it just being fucking cool yeah because there's a couple skulls in the eye shots Mm -hmm. can you imagine being an artist for Grant Morrison and being like, shit, people are going to pick this apart like they've never picked anything else <laughs> apart. I better not accidentally draw something that right. calls meaning to the, something that doesn't matter. Alan Moore for that matter as well, though. You yeah, know? for yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. On the, on the other hand, if you're an artist that is aware of that, you could throw things in just to fuck with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. bet. And I'm between, sure people. Sorry, you're. Oh, I was just going to say, I bet you they do. Yeah. Between Morrison and Moore, I bet uh, Morrison is probably like, if an artist just does weird embellishments like that, Morrison's like, cool. But more, yeah, I feel I like could, it would be I like, work actually, that. um, That's I, I need that to be right there. You know? <laughs> yeah. See, that fondue stick needs to be green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was out of green. I don't care. You're fired. You're, You're dead fired. to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> dead to me pespian <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i think this is such a good issue like down to the art to the story to the way that it um kind of it, it brings every this like globe trotting far reaching story back to a single place and for whatever shortcomings of my own i think that makes it a lot easier for me to process like the where's sure. and why's of what's going on so I think we've come to see that like despite some of the art changes and the the kind of hiccups that that those issues had it wasn't as discombobulated as I think we all felt that it was but this definitely feels like it's auto correcting from that kind of perceived disjointedness like this feels like the the car crash is reconstructed back into a back onto the road and you know and I wonder more coherent if this hadn't had a relaunch, how he would have done that. Because I know that like this is where that was going, but this really does feel like a a kind of a cleaning of the palette. You know, like I wonder if like the Leviathan Strikes would have been the same and then there would have been that big reveal in Leviathan Strikes and this just would have been the next issue or like if there would have been like two or three issues of Slush to kind of get us here. It's, it's an interesting, I wonder, because I do think, uh, I think what happened is this. important. Yeah, I think so, yeah. This is a fabulous issue one. Right. And at the same time, he references the JLA issue number one when they fall out of the satellite and Metamorpho like does the cool thing to protect them. Mm-hmm. And he references like Batman having been dead. Um, mm-hmm. 
he, he references a couple other things. So it, it goes to like, I'm not sure if he was like, fuck you, DC, your continuity is amazing. But like the DC, like the new 52 was sort of like all of that stuff kind of didn't happen, but kind of did, but mostly we're not going to talk about it. And he was like, Oh, I'm going to talk about it. I wrote it. Like right. number one is awesome. Like that <laughs> satellite scene is good. Yeah. DC was like, Oh, in the new 52 Batman's 23 <laughs> and Superman's been locked in a cage. We do have James Gordon with orange hair, though. And that was a new 52 change. Hmm. And like did the they first take, page. Did they, they take away his age? They de aged oh, okay. him. Oh, okay. And then they make him like buff and uh, clean shaven and kind of hot later. Yeah. Is that, is that him? He doesn't seem to have a mustache in the issue. Ooh. Don't take away the mustache. You can take no, away the I'll gray. I'll take away my book and see if he's got a musty here. Um, yeah, you know, initially, like I've said on this podcast, like the renumbering and the new 52-ing of this book, like I was really opposed of, but I think it actually benefits the coherence of the book to give us a new number one. Yeah. Like I think, yeah, I think it actually helps. I'm glad in retrospect that that happened. I am too. And I just remember like the, the joy that I felt when I was like, okay, this is still allowed to be what it was. It's not getting new 52'd. Django, mine... Gordon does have a mustache. Interesting. Wait, is so, Gordon in this issue? There's, yeah, he's, he's just on got page one. Page one, small line of dialogue right oh, there. Jay okay. Shown it. But he doesn't have a mustache on yours? It's just not, not clearly. Mine. Yeah, I could see kind of a fuzzy line above the lip if you look closely. Django. Mine, mine does it, but I think it's just. Oh, uh, you got okay. better colors than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The trade definitely doesn't have it, the soft cover. And I don't know the when, deluxe treatment, Jeffrey. when the Burnham stuff got finished. So I'm even the, the paperback that Roman's working through, volume two, I, I don't know if that has Burnham art or not for the fill-in pages. So very mm-hmm. curious about all of that stuff. But we've come to an end. I'm going to try and get a picture of my Batman Inc. cover and Batcow up in the show notes of this episode just because I love them. Yeah, that's awesome. My boys, any final thoughts? Roman, you've got a couple golden eggs, I feel like, hidden up inside <laughs> you still to push out. Who put them in you? That's not really relevant. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't actually have any. I wish I did. I'm really hungry. Um, Me too. Me I don't too. really have anything left to say. I can't, I can't believe I, I didn't do my dil, dil, due diligence and find out about this freight train guy, so now I'm going to as soon as we're done here, I'm going to look him up and find Justin, out what, what's yeah, his deal. <laughs> Shit, I dropped the ball on that one. I'm supposed to be the Outsiders guy. <laughs> yeah, he was I, in the Outsiders Annual 4 and the backup story. God <laughs> I, damn I, it. I know. I'm, I'm wondering about their light source in there, that weird glow with the like Kirby crackle in it. I'm wondering. And I the butt plug a, at the bottom. I bet that's a, yeah, and I bet that's a reference to something. It's like the nuclear lava lamp butt plug that they. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just a physical manifestation of the, the store that's above them. Yeah. it powers the store i have a closing comment please burnham do good rain his (laughs) rain is so cool everything is drenched in the the like single rain droplets are all like these tiny ripple whirlpool or like yeah ripple uh, he it doesn't look like real rain but it reminds me of real rain it's so fucking awesome it makes everything in it defeated feeling yeah for sure Mm -hmm. that rain is kicking everyone's ass 
And it helps that he's got a really, really good handle on what hair does. Yeah. Because like it's either it's raining or somebody's jumping, and every time it's not it's like they don't have a hair helmet on. Their mm-hmm. their hair is reacting to their environment really well. He's great oh. at that kind of stuff. If He's I had a closing so comment, it would be one complaint about the least realist. Like a lot of a lot of fantastic things happen in here, um, but Burnham made I think a grave error in having that many deviled eggs still on the table. Because I've never I, been in a room with that many people and any fucking deviled eggs left. Well, deviled eggs are incredible. And Django, they I are. thought that you were actually going to end on a complaint. And I thought, that's a strange note to go out on. But you're, <laughs> deviled I egg. like this complaint. I think I might try and make deviled eggs today. Ooh. I Wait, need small asinine tasks for day off. So I think egg, I'm going to The eggs try. with the two points going up. I'm going to make them dev- Django eggs. Deviled eggs. Deviled as fuck eggs. <laughs> oh, I never made them. That, I'm sorry, the elevator scene where the hood is going down into the not porn room, the way they represent that is so cool. Yeah. The no. not sex dungeon dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> the regular that, dungeon. <laughs> yeah. That was also, and that's also a reference to the way Batman and Robin would change costumes on the Batman TV show. Yeah. They would jump on the pole behind the clock upstairs and somehow they'd hit a switch. So I think it was like bat change costume <laughs> switch or something. By the time they got to the bottom of the pole, they were in their costumes. <laughs> they had to, for a slight second, they had to both be on that pole naked together. Nudies. Yep. I have, I have another, uh, I have another take on that Roman. And I don't know if this is a classic way that it works, but in another ink comic, justice Inc. Number one by Andy Helfer and Kyle Baker. I've read it. The Avenger puts his car on a lift and goes down in a very similar sequence to this. Oh, like goes cool. down into the basement in his car. Yeah, sweet. I read yeah, that like, book. Cool. Yeah, you, you did. Just, you did. I, I'll get I you the second book. one. I have it. You you got the second? Okay. Oh, Jeff, you're going to get them once a year every year anytime when oh. Django can start traveling again you're fucked yeah I'm fucked that, that's I'm something fucked. i wish they'd return to batman as he used especially in the 70s and maybe somewhat in the 80s one of his skills is he's a master of disguise and they never really use that much anymore they do an issue three of this series god mm, damn god all right. damn all right i got but two I want, words I want for it, you. but i want it now matches like, malone so oh, cool. I love Matches, Matches Malone. Malone. We get a whole awesome. Matches Malone so issue here. I want a Matches Malone, a modern Matches Malone miniseries. There, I, man. There was, a, there was a brief period when I, when I, I think when I was in high school, when I was like, because of Matches Malone, I was like, oh, I want to learn how to like have matches on me and just like be kind of absentmindedly like using my thumbnail to flick the match. And then I realized, you know, if I got good at this, I'm just going to start be starting fires everywhere. So I quit doing it. Guys, I want a bat cow miniseries so bad oh, yeah. there was like a batman inc one shot that was none of it was written by morrison that is collected the end of this i don't think we'll cover it on the podcast but there's like a four page bat cow story nice. and it's just him and a cape out and this woman gets in a car accident and like a bottle breaks open and a baby is crying and like they look to him and his udders and it looks like this woman is going to feed her baby off of bat cow's udders <laughs> written by dan didio love it uh, love it does bat cow still exist in rebirth well i guess it's not important because now we got future state and bat cow will exist in future state i hope yeah in the omniverse there's lots of bat cows there's a yeah whole, a whole pasture and the meta cheddar 
And the meta cheddar. And on that note, everyone, thank you for listening to episode 66. Send us your emails. Send us your voice recordings. Um, all of those things. Batman in quarantine at gmail.com. All of it spelled out. Um, get the Facebook group. It's amazing. There are people on there. Justin was on it just the other day. He saw it open at the shop and he said he read someone who had made a comment about just feeling like they know everyone. And I was like, that is on the top of me thinking Jango, Justin, and Roman that all this is awesome just because of the community around it so the fact that you are all we're just here in a room talking but you all are getting online and communicating with one another and that is really cool and really rewarding and i uh i'm just proud proud of everybody so batman 66 i'm jeff i'm Django. i'm roman i'm justin and we'll see you on monday for number two and then next thursday for matches malone